For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. To believe in Vikings, I am your host Dustin Baker. I'm here with Brian McKinney. He played for the Vikings, Ravens, and Dolphins. Here, Sally from Minneapolis, and Ron from Eden Prairie. This is the usual group, and we're going through almost off-season Vikings-like topics. The season's coming to an end. They have a somewhat meaningless game against the Bears this Sunday, where the rookies probably won't play. Mike Zimmer's not a big fan of that in end-of-season action, evidently. So we'll talk about Zimmer. We'll talk about Cousins. Talk about some of our favorite Zimmer memories, uh, the best part of the 21 uh, season, the worst part of the 21 season, just kind of all of those topics. Those are on the docket. First, we're going to talk about betonline.ag, which is our sponsor. BetOnline has you covered this holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. As football continues and it's March, the college bowl season that we're in, and the pro football playoffs, BetOnline remains the number one spot for all of your sports betting action. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Uh, use the promo code. It's pretty simple. B-L-E-A-V. Believe to receive your bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. So don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers that are available. Bet online where the game starts. Uh, the Vikings got slaughtered in green bay as we most of us kind of thought they would i was telling my wife after that f- first probably 45 minutes of real time when we failed to capitalize on some of the defensive stops early on when the wheels started to come off it was like exactly how i envisioned the game going like just anemic on offense i thought they would they jump on us early they didn't but then as it, it played on i was like that this is this is what i played in my head all week and it's actually happening so the vikings are mathematically eliminated from the postseason and it's second time in a row that's happened which therefore brings to the forefront probably an aura of change in some capacity whether it's the quarterback general manager the coach all of them some of them uh, something will probably happen and probably happen on black monday so I've got a slew of off-season related questions for the panel. And Ron, I'll start with you, sir. All right, what am I going to – I think this one was on the the very – like the idea of Black Monday. Do you – so we, we've seen the whole product now. Sally was right most of the year. We were wrong. They underwhelmed. They weren't that good. <laughs> I wasn't going to bring that up till next week. Oh, no, you should have. You should do your victory lap because you deserve it. I got it. those records written down. So <laughs> yeah. I was going to bring them up next week when we have the final tally. Well, you can do that then. You can do another flex because yeah. you were you were correct. Uh, so so we were, we're past the point, really, Ron, of should so-and-so be fired or shouldn't they? It's probably an inevitability. So I want to know, do you predict on Black Monday that Mike Zimmer will be terminated as head coach of the Vikings? 
I do. And I think um, now I don't think the Wilfs listen to the masses as far as what their opinions are. Um, but I think in general, eight years as a coach and what is it only three playoff appearances? Um, I think that is essentially the kind of the nail in the coffin. And um, I think you can kind of see it in the way that Zimmer has kind of coached a lot this year, um, whether it's trust in the offensive coordinator or lack thereof, or um, thinking that his way is the correct way to do things and kind of not releasing the stranglehold on that. And it wants to be his team. So if he's going out, he's going out with it being his way. Um, and unfortunately I think that'll be the demise because his strengths of being a defense um, or being the defensive mind that hasn't done well the last couple of years. So I do think Monday um, now, I don't know if they will be the first one to announce it, <laughs> but uh, um, with the slew of coaches that'll be announced on Monday, I do think that uh, Zim, unfortunately his time is up um, and I do, you know, wish him well, I was a fan of his, I still think as a guy, great human being, it seems like. So um, it sucks for that, but from a Viking standpoint, um, I think it's time for both the team and Zimmer to part ways. Sally, to you, do you predict that Zimmer will be fired on Monday? Um, I think I'm one of the few that's not completely convinced. I would say I would think I think about 80 percent sure that he will be let go. Uh, but I'm just I don't know. I'm not all the way there yet. I do think that the Wilfs in general are extremely loyal people. And I know that they really have a lot of respect for Zim and um, Rick. And I just don't know. I think Zimmer, not that it's an excuse because every team has dealt with this with COVID and injuries and stuff like that. But I do see them possibly being soft on those issues. Um, Especially, you know, since I think Zimmer did do what he could to prevent COVID as being an issue as much as as he did. I think if anything, I can see, um, you know, him resigning possibly or saying that he's going to retire. Um, I think he's just seemed defeated this year, even before things got out of control. Um, you, it just doesn't, he just seems tired and I don't blame him. Um, and he (laughs) deserves now that he's a grandpa and everything. And, you know, he's a grandpa to twin twins and stuff. I really think, I just want to see him enjoy his life. And if this isn't making him happy anymore, um, then so be it. So I can see that possibly happening as well, but I'm not completely convinced there's people in the media that I talk to that don't necessarily think that's going to happen. So we'll see. I'm not necessarily going to be super surprised either way. So in the 20% scenario where he stays on board, I I really don't think they can sell the product as we're going to get it right this time with the same core and do a little bit in free agency. I don't think that will work. So what do you think would be, you think that it would be cousins to be go and they'd say, we'll let Zimmer get his defense back and then we'll try just a Bridgewater type at quarterback. Yeah. I think that it's obvious to everyone that there's a huge disconnect between Zimmer and cousins. It's been pretty obvious. He was never a fan of the signing. Uh, (laughs) I think it's probably mutual based on, um, you know, what Kirk's dad is out here liking on Twitter, not to, you know, go down that road. Um, So, yeah, I think that that would have to be the way that it would play out. I do think that Rick and Zimmer have a huge disconnect. And I think at this point don't necessarily care for each other. Just my my opinion. So that would be really interesting how that would have to work out. I think that would have to, you know, there would have to be some sort of arrangement there, I think. But there's some folks that say they're best pals. 
You think so? Well, there's certain bartenders and stuff that I know that claim that they're and their buddies, their best best buddies. Bartenders? Oh, that they go out to drink together? At least they used to. <laughs> oh yeah, I think yeah. they used to be, you know, pretty pretty tight but i think these last two years or and maybe even longer than that it it seemed to me like there is some strain in the relationship i mean even about the disputes we've heard about in the draft room and i just i I think zim's a guy that holds a resentment and if he's really that upset about the cousins signing i don't see him getting over that brian i do feel like um i do feel like the wilfs Loyalty will lie more with Rick Spillman, considering the fact oh, that he's been yeah. there before them. Absolutely. Um, over over Zimmerman. Um, so I, I feel agree. like he definitely yeah. would keep um, Rick if Rick isn't ready to you know step down and would it probably allow Zimmerman to leave or you know not replace him. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. I, they're definitely loyal to Rick, for sure. Now, Brian, with, from your experience with coaching staff, um, obviously you've been a part of teams that have fired or let go coaches, but have you ever been one where part of one where, like I know Sally used the word defeated, and that's kind of like the, my sentiment with, with Zimmer, where whether it's, I know he's not a younger coach, he's one of the older coaches in the league. Um, have you ever had that with any coach at any position or any level where they, like, they just feel like they know they can tell it's time and the players can kind of feed off of that. Or is that something that uh, it's a stressful job as it is that the, it doesn't have that trickle down um, effect to the players like that. Like with coach Ty, when we getting really to coach Ty, we kind of knew it was a build up of things from the love boat to the thing with the tickets and all that type of stuff. Yeah. Um, with coach Childress, uh, I feel like they realized that the team wasn't really kind of following his lead as much anymore. And, he was having a little spats with Brett Favre as well as trading Randy Moss without anybody's consent. So um, and I feel like that was an ego thing, and they were kind of over that as well. And did you so feel like a, Did you feel like Brad knew that it was coming? Um, I think I think he knew he made a mistake. I think he knew it was so much ego with the Randy Moss situation. Mm-hmm. It was ego with both Brett Favre and Randy Moss. It was like a lot of there used to be arguments on the sideline and him trying to bench Brett in the game. I remember I think Detroit or something like. Carolina, like I think. Based yeah. on, based the snow on, game. Yeah, it was always based on um, him and just, I don't know, the way he came in just was, everybody didn't really buy into him. Really, our best season came when we had somebody like Brett Favre come in. Like, you know what I mean? And Change the culture. So that you know that the team been had potential, but it just didn't really buy in 100% to the coach. So every week, everybody was going out there playing for each other as well as Brett. And that's what brought the, the camaraderie and everything to that locker room because he had a lot of division and was dividing players and having people come tell him things about these players and things like that. And things got back to people too. So he was causing a lot of division. So I don't think he thought at, at a certain point, but then I think the Randy Moss and just different things where players were probably having their little comments to people as well. And it, they just felt like it was time for him to go. Now, I do want to kind of touch on that part for a second. So it's kind of off script, but you mentioned the Brett Favre piece and how like essentially it became his team versus Childress. Right. Now you, you've been fortunate enough to play with some, some of the best to ever play, whether it's Ray Lewis, Ed Reed in Baltimore, Randy Moss, and like at the beginning here. And then, mm-hmm. you know, at the end, um, did anyone else other than Brett Favre, like, was there ever that command where you knew that it was his team and, like the, the whole team knew that but yeah, like obviously think, Ray Lewis might be one that comes to mind, but there wasn't right. a divide. Was I that the think, only one where there was contention between I the think, coach um, and player? When I, when you, when you were here with, uh, 
when I was here with Culpepper and Randy Moss, you could tell it was, I'm going to say Randy's team. I, I'm going to say kind of both of them, but you could tell, like, there were plays made basically for Randy. So you could tell it was, like, his team and everybody who knew, who came here, defense, offense, they kind of knew it. You know what I'm saying? And then I would say that Culpepper was probably second in command. Okay. And then a follow-up to that, like, is there – pluses and minuses of that kind of situation because again they're big personalities the but, leagues, but they were big personalities who wanted to win so there wasn't okay. there they didn't have like any ego trips about certain things at the end okay. of the day the common goal was to win they never and they were very welcoming you know players they weren't like you know jerks or anything so you kind of it's kind of easy to you know to buy in or you know have their back in those type of situations okay I, I do believe that Zimmer will be fired on Monday. And I think it, uh, so here's what I, for the last two years, I have rested my hat on him being the right dude for the job because I always count on the fact that his defense would be at least 16th in the league and probably better because it always had been. And last year he got a complete mulligan for me because he didn't, in my opinion, have the, the personnel. This year, I believe that he did emphatically. I mean, they got a bunch of discounted free agents on one-year deals and some leadership dudes, and it's still, you go look at it again, and it's arguably the same or worse. And I don't think it's worth putting your stock in a defense coach if your defense is shitty. And that's where it's at right now. And then I, I'm fully on board with the idea of a defense coach. I've loved this era of football, like a return to normalcy for the Vikings. However, the defensive coach should care about the offensive line, especially when you spend top dollar on a pocket passer. It's not enough to be like, yeah, I don't really do much with the offense, so I don't like that guy much anyway, so go figure it out. And if you're if you're going to spend this uh, controversial amount of money on the quarterback who isn't mobile and you start to lose because the trenches aren't fortified, there is an inherent disconnect, and nobody seems to know it besides the fans. And so that's why I endorse a coach that understands the efficacy of an offensive line, especially if Kirk stays here, because I'm telling you, wherever he goes next, if it's the Steelers, Broncos, and they get it, like I get it, and you guys get it, that, oh, okay, this guy's pretty damn good when he has protection. I feel like he will have a little renaissance, kind of like Stafford has. Um, But I do ultimately think that, Sally, to an extent, has perhaps used the word stale. A lot of my cohorts have used the word stale. It's gotten that way. They saw it before I did, and I was wrong, and they were right. And I, I agree with that fact now, and it's really set in after two playoffs list seasons, which as Vikings fans is pretty rare for us. So uh, as much as I like Ron and love the dude to death, I'd have him over for dinner every night if he lived near me. He's cool. Uh, I've liked, I loved how he rejuvenated the culture into a winning one and kind of a tough, hard-nosed it, it's cool to get back to that, but I think the I think I think it sailed this year on him, and it's regrettable. Yeah, I completely agree. I think um, that's what I, my problem with the cousin signing the whole time. It's not cousins the individual quarterback, like you said, he has a lot of potential to be really good. It's that they never gave him the help that he needed to be successful. It's like that. Like that's what I mean with the disconnect between Rick and Zim. It's that. Zim won't doesn't seem like Zim will compromise having the free agents that he wants and and who he wants on that defense to have the money to fix that offensive line or the draft picks. And that is why these last four years with Cousins, I don't think have been anywhere near where they could have been. That's always been my complaint with the signing. It's not Kirk. So, yeah, I mean, you're completely right. He he doesn't have the flexibility in him. And that's just who he is. 
Yeah, and I, and I think with Zim, oh, sorry to interrupt. That's what I was going to say is with Zim, he seems to have such a stranglehold of control on the offense where maybe last year there was a little bit more freedom because he trusted uh, Kubiak or, you know, senior Kubiak. <laughs> but this year, like, again, like, the Sunday's game showed like the four or the third down plays, you know, with rolling it out to CJ Ham. Nothing against CJ Ham. I think he's a great player, but he should not be a primary target on a third or fourth down crucial play. But that continued to be a staple of the offense this year. And I don't know if that's the young Kubiak and just not understanding situational football, but also Zimmer putting him in those situations where I go back to a game. Um, I think it was the Baltimore game where we get a first down and then we run it two times to no success and then have to throw on third down unsuccessfully or whatever. It's like continuously there, those type of things has Zimmer's stamp on it across the board. So even when the defense is struggling, if we have a defensive minded coach, I want them to be able to be like, look, it's your offense. You do it like almost not to swing the pendulum completely the other way, but like Stefanski in Cleveland and Frank Reich, in Indianapolis come to mind. Those are two teams with great offensive lines and great running backs, but they continue to put the ball in in average to subpar quarterbacks and just let them throw it. Like, I don't want it to be that way where we have, yeah. uh, you know, James Winston, where here you're going to go get 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions, like what he did in Tampa. Um, I want it to be kind of harnessed a little bit, but I want there to be some sort of medium where, um, you know, that two games ago against the Rams when Kirk was at his best was the two minute drill where he had some freedom to move some stuff around at the line. And that it seems to be harnessed throughout the game, you know, minus the two minute drill. So I w- wish a coach can see that and be like, look, if we let him do control the offense, like a Stafford's able to like Tom Brady, I'm not saying that he, that he's a Tom Brady by any means, but give him that ability to call hot routes or call something that makes sense. Like you see the alignment showing a blitz, throw a quick slant to Jefferson, who's one of the best in the league at making guys miss. Uh, but we didn't see any of that. And that's all I want to see if there is a defensive-minded coach um, but back that's in the, the That's the problem with Zimmer, though, is he'll get up there and say, oh, it's not my call. It's not my offense. I'm hands it off. Is. <laughs> and then he'll go up there and throw those guys under the bus. And that's not new this year. I right. think he took a little break last year, but you know, and that's the problem. It's like you say one thing, but it's very apparent that it's not the case. Philosophically, hits his fingerprints hundred percent. So I think Kubiak has shown the novice style when it comes to to play calling uh, because there is there's trends that continue to happen. But it's a hundred percent the fingerprints of Mike Zimmer, and the we're gonna second and ten, we're gonna run it because that's what the, it's like playing blackjack and never ha- like having the card in front of you and telling you what to hit on, what to split, what to whatever. Everything is by the book and. That's what I think we need to get away from. Get a little bit more aggressive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I'm. You guys, I just changed my mind. I'm saying 95 percent fired now. <laughs> talked her into it. I've Please. changed my mind. I, I talked her into 15 percent. But Brian, I'm sure even you as an offensive lineman, like you want to go downhill and run it all the time. But there are times I'm sure you're looking at it as, look, like we whether it was in uh, Baltimore at Anquan Bolden on the outside, like get him the ball in hands, or Steve Smith, or I don't know if you play with Steve Smith or I can't remember, but like get the the ball in these guys' hands. Where uh, did you ever have coaches that seem to be set in their ways philosophically, where we have to do with it, or other than Childress? So I know we've ragged on him enough. Um, are there any other coaches that you've had like that in your past, or has it been pretty, you know, smart level coaches that you've dealt with? I think smart level coaches for the most part um, that I've had 
Okay. And I think I want to say on Clint Kubiak that yeah, it hasn't hasn't gone well this year for his maiden voyage, but he's also very young, so he probably won't be here next year. But if he goes back to another quarterback job here, spends three years there, he could very well succeed in this league. Um, oh, we, absolutely. We, just just like we think about rookie players, like oh, they suck after two starts. PFF grades forty five. He's a bust. Same thing goes for coaches. So I don't think any of us have a personal beef with Clint. He, he might just be a great on the job training uh, this year and wherever he goes, I think he'll have time to mature. And he's got a good teacher and his father um, on the segue to change. Uh, it seems like we're almost 95% uh, certain that Zimmer will be gone on Monday. The next topic with or without Zimmer there, especially with Zimmer there, if he, if he remains is whether or not the quarterback will remain intact. And this will be a talking point for all of the month of January. So I hope you're prepared for it. Last year, Matthew Stafford was traded on January 31st, or at least that was agreed to in principle. So that's kind of the earliest that you could hear about a deal. And I wanted to know, I'll start with you, Sally, on the the, re, the feasibility of trading cousins, if that's the vision. In all likelihood, it's, it's one of the biggest uh, arguments against trading him is there's not a guy hanging out as good as Cousins that's, that would be able to come in next year. So I want to know if you are okay with a temporary downgrade, whether it's Marcus Mariota, Teddy Bridgewater, you name Ryan Fitzpatrick, one of those dudes, and then like a rookie guy to go with them. Are you okay with going back to that way of Viking football? Because we've seen it over the decades. Oh, the transitional guy. Yeah, we've seen that a lot. Um, you know, for me, it's really going to depend on um, who the coach is and um, and the general manager. If it happens, um, the coach, I think, is the most important part. Right. Because you don't want to have a young guy, whether they draft somebody or whether somebody who's still in development, maybe even Kellen, heaven forbid, if it's not an offensive guy who really has a lot of, you know, um, experience in developing quarterbacks, you know, such as um, uh, the Bills guy, why is his name? Brian, me? Brian Dable. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, somebody like that, sure. I could see them going with, with a younger guy. If they stay with the Zimmer go defensive wise, I think it's best if it's somebody's first time being a head coach to stay with Kirk Cousins extend him and figure out um, how that's going to be. So it's just really too soon for me to say I could, I could be fine either way. Bryant, you played with both caliber of quarterbacks and probably in between as well. You had some of one of the best of all time. And then you had some of the ones that weren't so good at all, or at least were just run of the mill. Um, do you have an endorsement? If, if the Vikings move on from cousins, who's kind of in the middle of those tends to nibble at the top crust sometimes. Um, do you, if, if they have to take a step back as the new vision, like a, a rookie or whatnot, would you endorse that? I'm okay with a rookie. Um, I mean, that's just somebody hopefully that they can use for longevity. And if I can finally get a rookie that they can have for 10 years, um, then that would be fine. But not anybody who can come in, they can't develop. And that's, you know, so I get, have a rookie, but then you can also get like a veteran, you know, to come in as well too. And just kind of let them battle and see who wins. And then even if the rookie doesn't win, he can at least learn from the vet for a little bit. That's the key there would be getting a rookie. Because when I started watching Vikings football in 1996, we would just get 
the veteran type that we thought would be good again. And sometimes he was for a year and then we go on to the next veteran guy. We didn't have the rookie waiting in the wings. It's probably why we don't have a Super Bowl because we never locked down that position for good. Ron, my biggest fear on this topic is if Cousins goes, it's not that he'll go other other place and prosper. I, I hope that he will. It's that if if we get rid of him and then we do the Marcus Mariota thing and we draft the guy and you know he throws 15 like Bridgewater like touchdowns. I swear to God, if we're sitting here three years from now saying all we need is a guy who throws like 30 touchdowns, 35 touchdowns a year, why can't we find that anywhere? I'm going to explode because I'll be like, we had it. You, you traded him. So uh, are you okay, sir, uh, a supporter of a Cousins and thinking if we have to downgrade, are you okay with that? Well, first, I'll preface it by saying like Vikings Twitter has become a pretty awful place as far as like the, the cousins debate. Like it's literally, it's, it's CNN Fox news. Like, no, but I mean, like, it's, <laughs> but it's Where you like, been? no, no. Right. But I mean like even more so now, now things are getting personal and like, you know, you can't even like have a debate without someone like, you know, like taking shots at someone else, like where maybe that was always going around, but like, it, it seems to be more prevalent now because the divide just keeps getting bigger and bigger. Now, my problem is, um, like, when it comes to that, it's, like, I'm a Kirk fan, and I will stand behind that, but if Kirk goes elsewhere, I'm not a Kirk fan in the sense that, like, people are, oh, they're Vikings fans, and there's Kirk fans. No, I'm a Vikings fan that's happy with our current quarterback situation where where we're at. Now, I will also say, Kirk Cousins at $45 I do not want. $45 is far too much. I'm fully um cap- capable of accepting a 30 million you know in that range for a contract for a quarterback so if we find a way to extend him keep him in that 30 million dollar range i have zero problems with that because you do have think- to fix the defense and you exactly. can't right now exactly yep and, that, and that, that is the problem there's a lot more holes on this team like especially like anthony barr is likely going to be gone especially like his contract like there's a lot of high value contracts that you need to get rid of or you need to rework or something. And then, um, you know, we're not an old team overall, but on the defensive side, all of our impact players minus Hunter, who's been hurt the last couple of years, all of our impact players are older guys. So they do need to find a way to stay, to get younger on that side. Um, probably sprinkling some, some veterans that, you know, are in that the prime of their career looking for that first or second big free agent contract. Um, but there is some work to be done. So um, while I am a Kirk fan and I think he gives us the best chance to be competitive for the next, you know, year to three years in that window, um if we do decide to move on i can accept it in the sense that like dustin said we get a rookie or get someone young um but have a bridge quarterback now for me like the most the the two court the, there's two quarterbacks that are that continue to stand out to me that would be available uh compared to everyone else because i'm not going the ryan fitzpatrick or <laughs> you know any of these old guys who have who've been mediocre at best for their career. Like I would go with, you know, two, two guys from the same draft class, the James Winston and Mariota and the two different styles. Um, one, if I'm going Winston, like, and I've said this before, he's, I think he's at the top of my list. I want Byron Leftwich with Winston. They work together in Tampa. Now the 30 and 30 that Winston had when he was there, that is problematic because we don't have a defense right now that could back up you know, two, two interceptions a game. We just don't have that. Um, but 
I think Leftwich is a guy who has earned my respect in one going back to his playing days at Marshall, seeing him being carried by his offensive lineman down the field because he was a statue um, and, and he was on his broken ankle or whatever. But then he had success in the NFL. Um, so he sees the game from that level and then has worked his way into a, into an offensive coordinator and did it before he got Tom Brady, but now is showing things with Tom Brady, obviously that makes everyone look better, but he made Charles or Chris Godwin, who was a mid round pick. Like he was a good player before Brady got there, continues to be a good player. Like they've put together offenses that, that can play and seeing that he's done it playing and taking snaps in the NFL at a certain level of of success. I think he sees the game in a way that would help us get the ball in our playmakers hands, whether it's Dalvin, whether it's, you know, it's stealing still here, Jefferson, and that to me is intriguing from the offensive side of the ball. And then we'll have to figure out the defensive side outside of that. But I don't know what uh, one of those type of quarterbacks go for. Cause I think Andy Dalton even got like 14 million or something this year. So yes, you're, if you get away from the Kirk contract, but again, if you can get a first round, first round pick out of it, that actually might not be a bad deal, but you're still going to have to pay $15 million for a quarterback. Cause that's the going rate for any starter. So now you're looking at 15 million um, with, you know, sprinkling in another player in there, you know, is that going to keep you to a 24 point loss versus a 17 point loss against the Packers on Sunday? Obviously Mannion should never take snaps in the NFL on a meaningful team anyways. But uh, um, if we do something, I'm fully okay with it, but it needs to be the right, like I don't want to see Mitchell Trubisky on this team. Like I don't know who's would be advocating for that, but we've seen enough of guys like that where there is no success. At least Mariota would bring some elusiveness. Um, that would be exciting to see with Dalvin in the backfield. But even that, he uh, he would need the right offensive coordinator. The uh, the funny part about the contract is on so the forty so there's the cap hit which registers against the team's ledger, and then there's how much the dude actually gets in his bank account. So the $45 million is the cap hit that the Vikings will register next year. He's already been paid the bulk of this. And when he signed his deal, he got $40 million up front. This year, in his pocket, he's being paid $21 million. Next year, it's $35 million. So the $10 million in dead cap the Vikings would inherit because they were trading in the dead cap, that's because the money is already guaranteed to him. So the fact that it's just $45 million right now, people can't stomach, it's it's all relative to the contract that he signed right around the time Diggs was traded. So on average, he is the eighth highest played quarterback in the land. But this $45 million number, people cannot get off their minds. Uh, and it's it's nobody said a thing when his cap hit was $21 million last year. Um, but it's right. really like this designed, like, ooh, look at this, it's $45 million. But if you, because it's a fully guaranteed contract, it doesn't matter when that money was spread out. And right. it's, it's just looks worse now. But in terms of how he cares, he's not looking at it as like, oh, I'm 45 million. He's already gotten paid that. He gets right. the final chapter of it, 35 million, which is about the average of the two numbers this year. Uh, yeah. So for anybody that cares about the perspective, go to go to spotrack.com and see all of his career earnings, because this idea of 45 million being the smoking gun, that money is already going to him, whether you like it or not. And it's right. just w- whether the, the Vikings can navigate to that cap to have a successful team. And I honestly, I couldn't care less what he makes. Like I couldn't, that part, it's for me, it's yeah. How much of it is hitting my team? Like, you know, whether it's constructing a team, you know, on Madden or whatnot, it's 
can you afford it? And the 45 million cap hit to me is all that matters because that is like Patrick Mahomes, even at 45 million, that kind of has that little cringeworthy aspect of it because it's $45 million. Like that's, you know, whatever, if it's 30% of the cap, that's uh, takes me back to the Kevin Garnett days, early two thousands with, uh, with the Timberwolves where you can't bring anyone else in because it's just too much. I think, uh, and it's funny because we will probably be hopefully doing the show like three years from tonight and 45 million for a quarterback will probably be pretty average. Probably be standard <laughs> value at that yeah, point. with the, with the TV, uh, the TV money coming in and it already going up this year after the COVID stuff. Uh, well, you talked uh, we talked about Brian Dable there. He's one that will be interviewed by folks. And in theory, if your little doomsday came to fruition, Ron, that would probably be the way that Trubisky would get to this team would be Dable brings his QB two with them, even though it's probably a long shot in general. So we're going to kind of chronicle some of these big names until the Vikings hire a coach if they need to. Uh, Sally, how do you feel about Brian Dable? Um, you know, I like him in general. Um, I think that, like I said, I, I think, think your mic is up. Fuck. Nope, just up. <laughs> I'm back. Um, I think, like I said, he could be beneficial um, for developing a young quarterback. Uh, so I think that that's great. He has obviously um, had a big role in developing Josh Allen, which he has improved tremendously, even though, you know, the interceptions are still an issue. He's never going to be perfect, but I, you know, he has improved a lot. Um, and the Bills offense is a high scoring offense. And if, especially if Kirk Cousins is still here, then that's really important that, you know, this offense becomes more powerful. So I like it. Obviously there's, you know, it's not perfect. I definitely am more on the left, which uh, wagon like you are um, Ron. I think there's a lot of perks to that. He also is the play caller in Tampa Bay. So Bruce Arians trusts him a lot and, you know, obviously they have Tom Brady, but it's, it's a very successful offense. So I, I would rather go that way. I think he would also have um, a tremendous amount of respect in the locker room being that he is a former NFL quarterback. So, um, but I, I like both. Ryan, do you think the Vikings should hire an offensive dude as their next head coach? Um, <clears throat> I think so. I mean, we've had off, we've had defensive line, and the defense hasn't really been, you know, that. I feel like offense does take us anyway. I feel like you can still, the guys that we have, you can still put together a decent defense, and they can still do well. Um, it's all about the coaching and what the coaches can bring out of the players. But um, definitely have an offensive guy. At least, you know, get us, you know, scoring and just make it exciting, you know, to watch. <laughs> Ron, we've uh, we've talked on this show about the pendulum, kind of like the political pendulum. That let's drag it all the way to defense for eight years, and now everybody wants to drag it to offense, which, you know, rightfully so. Uh, Brian Dable is a five-time Super Bowl champion. Um, does that wet your whistle? What do you think of this dude? Hell I mean, yeah. Yeah, he'd be on the list, obviously, of uh, um, guys that are in that, that top – assistant mold that are ready for that next step. Um, he wouldn't be my favorite candidate. Like I said, I think left, which has that for me. Um, but ultimately like, I just want someone who knows how to command a team. Like, and I'll, and this has nothing to do with Bryant and having him as a coach, but Harbaugh is a perfect example. Just special teams guy who puts his stamp on his team, which Harbaugh, um, John okay. um, in Baltimore, yeah, okay. where he Brian's puts a stamp Harbaugh. on the team, but he, you can tell he has the freedom, like he gives the freedom across the board, whether it's um, who's the uh, wink, 
uh, Martindale, the, the defensive coordinator, lets him run that. Um, I don't know who the offense, Greg Roman, I think it is. Like he lets him handle that. And he's just kind of the CEO of everything. Yeah. So, um, and that's kind of how it was at practice too, is that you could tell he wasn't like um, overbearing on either side of the ball. Um, he kind of basically overseen, you know, what needed to be done and he'll chime in or ask questions too when he needed to, but he didn't, he never was like, on, just on one side of the ball, like he kind of gave uh, uh, equal balance to both sides, you know, and then, you know, his thing was special teams. So he always make sure they were on point. And another yeah. perfect example of, of, I guess, what I'm looking for in a coach um, is, again, one of your former coaches, Mike Tomlin. So people forget that Mike Tomlin was a 4-3 cover two guy coming from the Dungy tree. He goes to Pittsburgh which is 3-4, like that's just the history of Pittsburgh. Like they're 3-4 defense, edge rushers. And so clearly he's not, like he's probably has his input, but he went there, didn't change anything that they were doing, let them continue to run the way that Pittsburgh defense is running. But yet he operates as, a C, as you know, the CEO of that team. And he's, you know, clearly looking at some of his past players and their outbursts that they're having. He had those guys under wraps, um, you know, in, the, in their career in Pittsburgh. And they've, some head cases since then. So um, like, that's just what I want, whether it's an offense or defensive guy, I want someone that is willing to be looking at the team from the top level and be hands-on when needed, but let the, let the guy you hire that you trust, let them handle their job. Like don't micromanage a position. That's like any, any job you're ever at. You don't want your boss breathing down your neck. And if you fail or if you, you're struggling um, to not help you through it, kind of just take over and do it themselves. You want that guidance to get better. Like, again, going back to Leftwich, it's yes, he has Tom Brady, but Arians lets him learn and kind of handle it from there. So we'll see what happens. Um, I mean, I, I'm not against hiring a defensive guy, but um, Again, that'll be my caveat. Not that old school ball coach mentality where it's my way or, uh, or you know, we'll get it done my way. The I've had I think four people in the last week message me on Twitter asking what the realism was of Zimmer becoming the defensive coordinator of the Vikings, and I get I get it in the screenplay, like you know, one of these Hallmark football movies or something like that, where you could do that and get away with it and write it, but that's just not going to happen because it creates inherent friction like you know guys who still love their coach there are people on that team that love Mike Zimmer whether whether the listeners want to believe it or not and yes it would be cool if he ran just the defense that's all he had to worry about but that's not how it works like you really for the most part can't take a person out of the premier leadership role stick them as the vice president and say just get along and it's, it's really like not, the- it's not fair to the new coach it's like the Bears a few years back when Lovey was still there and they had Lovey, they had Mike Martz, they had Tice, and then there had one other, like, so they had four former head coaches on their staff. It mm-hmm. did not go well for them. Like yeah. Mike Martz came in and traded Greg Olson because he didn't want a receiving tight end. Like Greg Olson, the Miami guy, who was a great tight end, like one of the best of his era that played. And you don't want him because he's not a blocking tight end because you want it your way. Um, and then obviously – like I can't, I can't think of who the defensive guy was, but uh, you just have too many, too many cooks in the kitchen at that point. Hey Sally, give me your three favorite Zimmer memories. Assuming this is the last show we have with him employed as head coach. Ooh, just three. Can, All right, well, it's probably two because we know the first one. What's the first one? Well, it's miraculous. Oh, that wasn't even on my list. That's not one of your. Well, <laughs> cool. Then I got mine already. No, because I don't attribute that to him. His defense collapsed. Well, that's his that was a flu. Yeah. Anyway, 
My favorite is uh, January 3rd, 2015, winning the division at Lambeau. Oh, God, you stole my mind. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, September 18th, 2006, winning against the Packers at U.S. Bank Stadium. <laughs> and if I got a dial, uh, I'll pick this year, uh, November 21st, 2021, beating the Packers at home. Wow, this is right down the line, the uniformity. Yeah, it's all That's Packers wonderful. wins on my list. And you, those you are were, my those are my Super Bowls. I ain't got nothing else. Oh, so when <laughs> when we're told those are our Super Bowls, you're like, hell yeah, baby. Yeah, when he gets fired, <laughs> I already have all my pictures saved. I'm gonna say thank you, Zimmer, for my Super Bowls. One, Ooh. two, three, four, five of them. Our our, our mini no, banners. Six, six. I'm sorry. Yeah, did you not count the one where they beat a, a Rogers list on Christmas Eve Eve? Oh, that's counting. Oh, it was counted. at it was at Lambo, of course. Well, he's won it was a seven shutout. Times. He's won seven times against them. What am I leaving off? One, seven, eight, two, and one. Three, four, five, six. We'll have to figure mm. out the one you're missing. Yeah, we'll have to figure that out. Mine I are. I hope it wasn't a top three. <laughs> My third wasn't necessarily on the field. It was the, I think it was a day or two after Bridgewater hit, um, knee buckled and nearly fell off. That he said to a reporter that. Uh, I think it was something the fact that the day after his wife died, the sun still came up mm. and life went on. And it is yeah. as, as, as tiny as that is, like you think about how devastating that is, like especially a guy like Zimmer, who's kind of seems like a simple guy other than football. And when when you hear that, you know, as a husband or as a as a football player or a human, you're like, Yeah, I, I can see where he's going. That I think what he said is nobody felt sorry for me then, and we're gonna go out and do our thing. And it sounds very sentimental, but callous, which is very Zimmer, you know, with his grandkids and then saying MRFR on the sidelines. It, it was really encapsulated Zimmer. And unlike Sally, I do give him credit for the Minneapolis Miracle because he was the head coach of the football team. And oh, yeah. It, it was he one gets of, some credit. One of the craziest, probably the craziest sports moment I've ever encountered. I always, Ron, can appreciate this in sports, probably the, the Cavaliers coming back from 3-1 against the Cavs was probably the moment that I most acted like a toddler jumping up and down because it was so daunting to come back on that basketball team. But I got to witness the miracle in person like like most of you guys did, and I couldn't believe it. I, 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 I looked over and over for flags because it was too good to be true. And uh, yes, Zimmer was the skipper then, and I give him credit for that because I will never, ever forget it. I didn't mean to disrespect him and say he gets no credit. He does get he does get some credit. Okay. Ron, what Just are your didn't top? Stick out to me. Top top three Zimmer memories, Ron. Well, my first, I guess, is more like large encompassing, but just how he turned um the Vikings organization from uh having just terrible defenses. Um I, minus that um the Williams Wall, Jared Allen, like that that brief stint there where the talent when was, was abundant. No, no, that's what I'm saying. Minus that oh. time, but like otherwise, like my entire yeah. life, our yeah. defense has been that, shit. That's why um, we let me stop you right there for just a second. I believe that's why you and I have this kindred soul about this man is because right. he changed that. When I was a he, teenager, those defenses were so terrible. <laughs> right. Even Brian near like back in early near career when there, I, I'll never forget yeah. there was three games in a season where we just scored too fast, and then. Peyton Manning gets a gets a field goal on or drives down get a field goal and um, the the Packers did it twice and I'm like because we scored too goddamn quickly but we couldn't stop anyone even though there's talent on that side of the ball mm-hmm. and we just couldn't so the fact that we now were able to 
to have a team that was starting to, you know, starting with all the guys he started to bring in, um, whether, you know, Harrison Smith, Anthony Barr, like Trey Waynes, even like, like these draft picks, he put an emphasis on the defensive side of the football, but all the while we were still cultivating talent on the offensive side. Um, and it wasn't, you know, whether we granted we had Adrian Peters or no Adrian. Yeah. Adrian was there to start. He loved um, the league in rushing in 15. Yep. So like, and he was doing it with bad quarterback play and it's easy mm-hmm. to change your, your offensive game plan when you have 28 in the backfield, because it's <laughs> just give it to him every single time and see what happens. Um, but it, that team was had Zimmer stamp on it. So, and again, the last two years being the anomaly with them being so porous on that oh, side of the God, ball. Yeah. Um, that's the frustrating part. But anyways, that, so that would be my first one. Uh, the second one is the playoff win in new Orleans and not just because we went down there and won the game, but how we did it. Like, Sandejo is playing in the slot. Now I'm not a Sandejo fan at all, but since he was playing in the slot, Griffin and Hunter were playing in the on the interior of the D line, and Zimmer really kind of showed his muscle against Drew Brees, who is still at the top of his um, you know peak at that point. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna mix things up that some show something that you've never seen, and we're gonna go down and we're gonna beat you. So that would be my number two. Two um, years ago today, that happened. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So. That was a, like, that was a fun one. And then, you know, just, um, just the entire 17 season, um, like that ride that we had just, um, again, you know, I flew out to Philly for the game and it wasn't, that part wasn't fun, but that was a tough year for me. My, um, I lost my mom that year in December and, uh, um, to be able to have that kind of joy, like, you know, be able to go through and here's a football team. We're 13 and three like with case Keenum, who again, nothing against case, but he lightning in a bottle. Like he was great. It was a fun year to kind of go and uh, see all that happen. And then the miracle to take place. And even though, again, I'm not trying to discredit Zimmer, but we weren't, we up like 17 points and they came back in against Zimmer's defense. And, uh, um, but that just that whole year, it was uh, a lot of fun. Obviously I wouldn't have went to Philly if I didn't think that we were going to have a chance to, to, to bring it home. Um, cause I knew I wasn't about to drop five grand on tickets here. Um, but, uh, that entire ride, like that takes me back to, um, again, not, not taking shots at you, Brian, but the only thing that hurt more was that 2009 year with that, like in my early twenties, like we were making plans, like on that Sunday game, we're like, we're going to drive down to Miami. Like we don't want, we have no place to stay. We have nothing, but we're going to drive down to Miami because you know, we're again, just out of college, whatever we're, we're, we had our plans all set. We're going to leave on this day. We're going to go down. We're just going to tailgate the super bowl. It's all, all we're going to do tailgate it and go to a bar and, uh, and then far throws crossbody and, uh, and 12 men in the huddle, all that stuff. But, um, those would be my, my three crowning moments of Zimmer. And I do like, I appreciate the eight years he's given us. If, if he's kept on, like, while philosophically, I disagree with that, but I wouldn't be mad. Um, I mean, I wouldn't be like livid in the sense that like, Hey, we're doing it again because there, I think there will be enough changes one way or another between that three guys that everyone are talking about. Um, there'll be changes there and hopefully for the better. Like, I don't want to see us bottom out and go two and 15. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I want to see us be competitive, but We'll see. We'll see what happens. It wouldn't surprise me one bit if 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 Sally's five percent is correct that he is retained for some crazy little miracle, and he's the coach again, whether it's Cousins or not, Spielman or not, blah blah blah. If he came back in September and we did great, I would not be surprised. However, I don't think you could risk that or take that chance. I think the benefit right. of the doubt is gone because we'd spend the whole summer trying to figure out 
is the defense going to be good? We don't know. It used to be. It's not anymore. And I, I, I think there is like, you know, equally a 5% chance that if he, he got uh state aboard, then boom. Yeah. We might be back to the NFC championship, but it's all, you know, there's too much baggage now that shows too many whimsical collapses and end of halves that are just used to so, be. Huh? Question. Yeah. Who do the fans out of the three, who do the fans want to see Zimmer, Rick or um, cousins? Who would they rather see? The right right now, I think Zimmer is the most accountable. So I, I think if you ask fans right now, they're so pissed about the Packers' loss in general, they'd probably say just get rid of them all. Um, okay. But if they had to pick one. Yeah, it, picking one, it's probably close to a split between Cousins and Zimmer. But I don't think, I don't think most people want Zimmer back. Okay. Even even us loyalists that you know love the dude, I, we think it's time for change. So I think that is the the kind of your the is this pick one to stay or pick one to go? Pick one pick to leave. One to, yeah, to go. I, I think it's hard to quantify because you know you look at the headmaster being Zimmer and then you know the cap hit being Cousins. I think again, I don't think any of those Kirk haters as they're being dubbed. I don't think they hate Kirk. I think they hate the like what he means on the team because of that cap hit. So I don't think if there's people who think that Cousins is a bad quarterback, now they probably shouldn't be talking football anyways. If you disagree with why he's on the team for the salary part, can totally understand that. So I think it's hard to separate the guy who's leading it all versus the guy who's who's getting paid to kind of mask some of the other warts on the team. Um, but yeah, I think out of the three, I think Spielman gets off the hook because of that, uh, because of the two. But he's also a that gave the contract and hired <laughs> Zimmer and the draft trades and all that. So um, they they all have some uh, some uh, polarizing culpability. Yeah, the, yeah, exactly. With within the fan base, I don't know which one I would. I mean, to me, it's bet- I would get rid of Tossa between Zimmer and Cousins, but it would depend on which one is staying. You know, I just I just don't see a world where both continue to coexist and be successful. Right. So mm-hmm. either one, really. And again, also, that, and I want to say, say Rick, but I, I'm not allowed. So well, and if, <laughs> well, and then if it Rick goes, it's probably the whole you know House of Cards falls. Yes, okay. and, and I think that's why that's why most people aren't aren't huge on Rick alone because there's no such thing. And I was right. going to say, like in the sense of uh, obviously in the NFL, you need a good coach, you need a good quarterback to be able to win a Super Bowl. Um, now. In my opinion, it seems like it's harder to find a good quarterback than it is to find a good coach. And the evidence of that is look at the top three longest tenured coaches in the NFL, Belichick, um, uh, Belichick, Tomlin, and Sean Payton. What do they all three have in common? Hall of Fame, first ballot Hall of Fame quarterbacks for their entire (laughs) career, essentially. Um, And then you look at the the next guys on the list, like Pete Carroll's there and, you know, Harbaugh's there. Um, So... I think it's harder to find that quarterback than it is to find that coach because a left switch can come up, a Dable can come up, and or one of these young guys who, um, again, I'm not taking shots at Green Bay, but Matt Lafleur is looked at as this great he coach, should. but he's mm-hmm. he's he's coaching Aaron Rodgers. Like, I mean, is it that difficult to coach Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, and then in this division that's been bad the last two years? Really, I mean, the Vikings have been bad. The bears lions they're, they've been bad. Um, at least like relatively relative to other, other divisions, but 
you know, LaFleur will be looked at, oh, he's won 13 or more games every year he's coached. Well, take away Aaron Rodgers, and what does that do? Even swap Aaron Rodgers with Baker Mayfield, and what does that do? Are they a seven-win team with Baker Mayfield? Probably not. No. Give Stefanski Aaron Rodgers, and they might be 14-3. and three. <laughs> Oh, like, they would. In a like, I mean, because 16 of that time, and one, probably. Yeah, Their division exactly. fell apart. Exactly. Uh-huh. So um, I think, again, not disparaging coaching staffs at all, but I think it's easier to find a coach who can grow into that mold than it is to find a quarterback to grow into that mold. So um, like Sally, to your point, if it's one or the other, just get me one that can fix that other problem. (laughs) You don't need to fix them both. Just get me one that can make the other one look good. On the the 45 million that you brought up again, real quick, he's either going to be traded or his deal will be extended by a year two. He's not going to play on a $45 million cap. And that's why I can't understand why we're so fixated on it. Yeah. We're so fixated on that, but it's not going to pan out. So you might as well. Oh yeah. All right, Sally, do you have a segment for us? We got about five minutes. Well, we're having all this, uh, you know, chit chatter (laughs) about who is, um, you know, going to stay, who's going to go Daniil. Mm -hmm. I've seen some Harrison chatter in the last few days. Um, who historically is it is somebody that you look back on that you were really upset when the Vikings either cut or traded in the off season? Ooh. Well, I can jump in pretty quickly on this because yeah. it was it was Randy Moss um, when he got <laughs> traded to the Raiders. Well, like that yeah, was yeah, um, I mean, so yeah, was, that, that was pretty easy because it's. <laughs> dude's at the top of his career and it came out of nowhere and it was you know i know it was the mccombs and all that or whatever but that to me it was like this is the guy i grew up like loving watching play football and like the, the him and culpepper working together and then you know the the net, when culpepper tore his knee like then it was just kind of like well, where do we go from here like that was you know that's when we find a franchise quarterback and injuries happen that or a potential franchise quarterback the injury has happened and that kind of derails it, but it started with Randy Moss hands down. Mine is a sentimental nostalgic one. When I was youthful in my Vikings fandom, uh, (laughs) I did not understand from, from my virgin eyes, why the 1999 Vikings didn't try harder to bring Jeff George back because the way that he threw the ball was perfection (laughs) to that core of wide receivers. Like you couldn't build a guy in a lab, as they say, that could throw the ball better to, Moss and then Carter at the time. And it was so unceremonious that when they got their asses kicked by the Rams in those playoffs, it was like, okay, he'll be gone. And uh, and I was what 16 going, why? Well, why does he have to be gone? Because he's not likable or he's kind of a prick. Well, we got one of those in green Bay. Now it worked. And of course he wasn't as good as Rogers, but I always wondered why during that off season, we pivoted like right away to Marino. Is he coming? And then we ended up just drafting Dante, or maybe he was already on the team that season as a rookie, but I didn't understand based on what my eyes showed me, why there wasn't more sentiment to have George back or at least, I mean, it it was like a cyborg throwing it the way that just flipped out of his fingers. I was like, Jesus. So that's mine. There's been, there's been more crucial ones, but that's the one that I always look back on and think, why didn't that get one more sequel? Yeah. Well, mine is Bryant McKinney. So (laughs) Uh, I was going to say myself at first. too. (laughs) No, no explanation needed there. I'm gonna I say Miners um the second time Randy got traded. It was like, huh? The first time I was young, but the second time, like he just came back and it just caught me off guard after the New England game. So that and then it was he came back the season when Brett Farr was there. So I said that we got Randy Moss and Brett Farr. So that one kind of took me by surprise. The other one did take I was surprised the first time, but for him to come back and get traded again, that was yeah. really like what? 
Yeah. He got released the second time. I even <laughs> traded. Well, yeah, released. Just released and got on the waiver wire. Randy yeah, so Moss. Like, like, what? That was that was so shocking to me. Like, what is going on? He just got back here. Brian, is there any other, like, shocking ones that stick out to you? Just, like, sitting at home on the couch and you see, like, someone was released or traded that you were tight with? Like, when the Vikings are just... Well, either one. Vikings or Ravens. Um, well, I can say just in general, like, when I remember when Jeremy Shockey left the Giants and, and went to New Orleans, I was kind of surprised. I felt like, looking at him, he just fit the Giants. So, I was like, <laughs> I didn't see them let him go, but... Anyway, I guess he he was frustrated there too. I'm pretty sure he was voicing his opinion too. So I could see that happening. Yeah. One thing that was always strange about Moss is when when we traded him to Oakland, as they were called at the time, and with Kerry Collins and stuff, he started out pretty good and he was the Moss we all knew and loved. But how league wide his stock kind of fell. Like it was like he wasn't the sexiest thing that we all knew and we all still know. And then when he went to New England, it was kind of like, oh, cool. He'll, he'll pair with Tom Brady. And all of us knew on this show was like, whoa, there's going to be a problem out there when those two get together. And then when the rest of the world found out, they were kind of like, oh, yeah, we knew this would be a problem. But there wasn't a whole lot of pizzazz when he got shipped there for, I think it was, a, or no, what did he get? What did he go there for? It was, it was a mid-round cheap. pick. Yeah, it was like yeah. a third-round pick. And I remember yeah. thinking like, oh, my goodness, this is going to explode. And I, I felt like Minnesotans were the only ones that really got that because I think they thought, Let's see. At that point, he would have been in the league for eight, nine years. And, you know, we were doing that. He's built different. He's going to be just fine with Brady. And then we were all vindicated when he broke the single season touchdown record. And yeah. I'll, I'll always that remember first that game, era. the running, running wild through. It was either the Dolphins or Jets. Can't remember, but they tried triple covering him. And even, you know, in his late 30 or late 20s or whatever, he's just pulling away and just catching three touchdowns right away, right off the bat. Yeah, it was money. All right, Sally, why don't you, can you tease the show for next week? Yes. Next week we are going to have um, John Krasinski as our guest from the athletic. Um, he does cover the wolves um, mostly, but he does also cover the Vikings when the wolves are not playing. He, you know, has covered a few games in person this year and I, he's really excited because he said um, back when he worked for the star trip, that Bryant McKinney is one of his favorite players. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. So he's, <laughs> he's excited to talk to you. Cause it's been, you know, I don't even know what's it been like 15 years. Did they, did they interact ever? Do we know? Yeah, he used oh, to he okay. used to work for the Star Trip, so he. Okay. Um, so he used to be in the locker room. Yeah, yeah. We'll have a little he, reunion. He was a, was he beat writer back then, or was probably? Yeah, I, I'm not sure. We'll obviously ask him, yeah. but um, yeah, he's super excited uh, to come on. All right. Well, you heard it here. Then um, we'll have John. Is it Krasinski? Yeah, Krasinski. just like the office af- actor John, John Krasinski. Krasinski. They have the, the same athletic. name, so kind of like Ron Johnson. How he was, he gets all those tweets for the other Ron Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> John Krasinski gets tweets yeah. for the office Krasinski all our, the time. It's our funny. buddy, our buddy Ron Johnson. Yep, the podcast extraordinaire. Is that him? Yeah, yeah. I love, <laughs> I love him. We'll have to have him back on sometime. All He's right. Well, great. then that'll be that'll be next Wednesday in this time slot. And I think that's all we got. We'll probably <clears throat> have a coachless team at this time next week, and we'll have to have John break that down. Tell him to work his sources for who who's going to get an interview. <laughs> yeah, he said that's why it's better for him next week because he'll have a lot oh. to say about that. Boom, out of bing. All right, that's all we got. And Skull Viking. Skull. Go. Bye, Brian. Have a good night. Have right, a good one.
the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.